We're so glad to be with you all. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here and the warm, loving greeting that we received as we arrived today. Uh, it's great to be here with you all. Um, I've been so excited about this. I, I told Stephen that a couple of nights ago I slept maybe two or three hours. And today I woke up at like 4.15. And uh, it's exciting because, you know, it, it's a mission conference packed into one day, which means I've got like three days worth of material to pack into one message. And, and I kept asking, how long, how long do I have? And he's like, well, they're used to me preaching a long time, so you've got however much time you want. Now, so here we go. No, I'm just kidding with that. I'm going to try to move along pretty quickly. But the thing that I really was nervous about, and I was thinking about cutting out of this message, was the very first thing. And he talked me into keeping it in there. But we've been singing it. And that is this. Everything we do, we're talking Mission Engagement Sunday. It's all about do and go and let's go and missions. But why and what for? On what foundation is that built? And it's all built on the gospel, Amen. right? So we, it's easy to say, hey, it's all about the gospel today. Let's talk about all the stuff. <laughs> but the longer I live and the more I go around, and the more we minister, the more I say, we don't know the gospel, we, the church, often don't know the gospel, or maybe not well enough. And so it never hurts us to say, what is the gospel? It never hurts us to be reminded, what is the gospel? And so give, bear with me for a couple of minutes to lay the foundation that's already there, but it's so that it will be present in our minds as we walk through the next hours with one another. This book is the gospel. This is a Bible. <laughs> this book, the Bible, is the gospel. Sometimes we say, well, what is the gospel? It's, it's you know, four steps. It's three circles. It's this, it's that. It's, it's this book, this message. And all those other things are tools where we try to compress this amazing, complex, detailed story into bite-sized chunks. Those bite-sized chunks never tell the whole story. And so it's good to remember, what is the whole story? The whole story is it started with this. In the beginning, God created. Right? So what's in that is that God exists. God is. We believe, we who are followers of Jesus, we believe, we're convinced that God is. And He created. And then it launches into an, an Offenbarung, I'm sorry, I'm thinking in German there, a revelation. God is revealing himself to us and explaining himself to his creation. Right? So this is, a, this is an explanation of who God is. You know how many names of God there are in the Bible? There's like, what, 48 or 50 names of God, and each one is a characteristic He's patient. He's holy. He's just. He's the God who sees. He's the God who hears. He's the God who's there. Right? All these things are explained all through the Bible. And in contrast to that, then, is the fall of mankind, right? That all people have rebelled against God and have broken. That relationship between God and people is broken. And this brokenness is so strong that it breaks the entire creation. The entire creation suffers and groans under the weight of this brokenness. And so we see, especially in the Old Testament, God's helping us understand the contrast between us, who are broken and sinful and rebellious, and God, who's glorious and perfect and holy. And from the very beginning, he says, it's clear, there, that, that's a gap, and we're, there's no way that we can bridge that gap. The relationship is broken. 
But God, even in the very beginning, says, but I already have a plan. He had a plan before time began. A crazy plan. A freaky, crazy plan to send his own son to offer himself as a sacrifice to to, to receive the, the just consequence of the sin of all people who will believe in him on himself instead of it coming on to us. Now, I grew up in Amarillo, and there's nothing that helps me fall asleep better than a thunderstorm or a train in the distance. <laughs> and when I was a kid one time, and I, I was little, and I'm not sure how, how close, if it was 100 feet or if it was three, but we almost got hit by a train one time crossing a railroad track, and I think it was about three inches. And there was nothing more terrifying than a freight train barreling down the tracks and it's going to crash into you. And when we read the, the, the Word of God in the story here, God is explaining the, the wrath of God against sin is like that freight train. It's barreling down the track. And I'm standing there. There is no chance. Right? They might find some body parts somewhere, but they'll be small. And Jesus, purely out of grace, purely out of mercy, says... I'll step in the way and I'll receive the full blow, the full weight of that wrath. That's what we've been singing about. Is that not amazing, that story? But it doesn't end there. The Bible continues on and tells the story is when we say yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to receive that. I receive forgiveness for sin. So like in a a court of law, I'm pronounced free. Not guilty, right? Jesus has become the guilty one in my place. But that's just the very beginning of something else. That's just the very beginning of a transformation of who I am. And when I say I, I mean that for each one of us, right, who follow Jesus. For you, we are all in a process of being transformed by Jesus, right? So he gives us his life. He comes in our life with his power and with his spirit, and he starts to transform us step by step. He's making us into the ideal, the pure thing that God would have created if we hadn't had sin, right? And so we're being, becoming, and then the end is that we will be that one day at the end time. And there's hope, and the the book ends with what we call the book of Revelation, where God explains all things will be restored. The oneness and the unity of And the perfection that God created in the beginning will be restored and we who follow Jesus will be a part of that. Right? That is the gospel. That's the gospel. And we we just sang. It's beautiful. I I couldn't sing. right? I'm kind of emotional and sentimental, so I start to cry if I try to sing songs like that. So, that's the message of this book. Now, what I just described to you is also just a pitiful, short, little summary of it. A pitiful, short summary of it. Paul wrote a book, to, or wrote a letter to some friends, some people in Rome, and he spent 11 chapters describing this in greater detail. 11 chapters of the book of Romans, Paul describes what we call the gospel, what we summarize as the gospel. What he summarized, he summarized all this into those 11 chapters, and then he finishes up with this in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 and 36. He says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. 
So he's explaining helping people understand the gospel. And then he's like, wow! Isn't that amazing? Right? That's, that's, that's his reaction to it. From, for from him and through him and to him are all things. What? To him be the glory forever. Right? We just sang that. Right? This is the gospel. This is the foundation of everything else we're going to say today. In any of the workshops, this is the foundation. So don't forget what I'm saying right now. <laughs> because this is what we need in our, like I, I wear glasses now for 10 years. This needs to be our glasses every minute of every day. So that everything we do is going through this filter of this great story. All right? So, right after he says all that, Paul goes on into the next verses, and he pretty much, I'm summarizing a little bit here, cutting out some of this. He starts with, therefore. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. So, therefore, what does therefore mean? He says, on the basis of all this stuff I just explained, now, how do we respond to that? Therefore, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. All right, so I'm going to get all hung up here on this thing. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This is something that's been in my, in my own walk journey with Jesus for about the last two years. It's all about this right here. How are we to be transformed? By working harder? Are we, are we to be transformed by going to church on Sunday? Or by, by, by doing our quiet time and filling out the objection and all that stuff? No, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. This, the renewing of your mind that transforms you. That transforms us. And how does that happen? Well, it happens when we are in interaction with God. And He's speaking to us. And we're hearing what He has to say to us. And that transforms the way we view the world. Transforms our worldview. And that impacts everything. Okay, so it impacts then our thoughts, our values, our actions, and our character. All right, and so this is where, and if you read the, the, the New Testament books, right, these epistles, they're all kind of like this. They all kind of start off with an explanation of some theological stuff, but the, it's all about the gospel. And then it comes to the point where it's like, so do this. So here's the response to that, right? And this is the renewal of God's mind. Is the, renewal, the transformation happens as our minds are renewed and the purposes of God become my purpose. The vision of God becomes my vision, right? He gives me his purpose and his vision. And I start to go that. And here's the thing. God has a plan for his creation. And you and I are part of it. His plan is that his people... Bring his grace to other people. And the question we're asking today is, what is your part in that plan? The question I'm going to ask you today about 80 times is, what is your part? What is God telling you your part is in that plan? In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, you know, we have our, 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 our great commission because we're Southern Baptists, this is great, you're right. All authority in heaven has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We can read that. I can quote that over and over and over. But it's just like the gospel. We need to stop and soak it in because it is the foundation 
of mission. And I'm not actually going to spend much time here today other than to say that when God is, if, if, if you are saying something, I'm a follower of Jesus, then what you're saying is, Jesus, transform me. And what Jesus wants to do is tell you how to think and what to think and what your values are. And he's telling us right here that we have a task and he has a plan to go and make disciples of all nations. And so that's what we're about today. That's why Mission Engagement Sunday was planned, I think, was to get you guys thinking about what is my role in God's plan. And so that's what I want to talk to you about right now. And here's my statement. That I want to, I'll probably say this three or four times too. God wants to use each one of you, and he wants to use you collectively as a part or in his great commission plan to reach somebody. Now, when I say somebody there, I'm using that intentionally. It's a little vague. And I've got it more like a fill-in-the-blank on my, on my thing there. L- let me read this again. God wants to use each of you and all of you collectively in his great commission plan to reach And my question for you today is, who is that person? Not that who's that person, who's that individual. It's more like, who are those people? Who is that people group? Who is that social group? Who is that geographically defined group, right? I don't know what that is. I could give you a list of a hundred of them, right? And I could say, well, it should be Austrians, right? (laughs) I could say that, but I'm not going to, only as a joke, right? Because... I want you to listen to God. And I don't want to presume to know what God's going to tell you, but I want you, I want to encourage you and urge you to listen to God and say, who is my people? And this is the heart of it today. We've got some people here who say, my heart bleeds and aches for my people, the people to whom God has called me. And I do stay up at night praying for them and agonizing over their souls. And I'm asking you the question, who is that people for you individually and for y'all as a church? Who is that people? So today's question is, to whom is God calling you? God called me when I was a teenager. I lived in El Paso. I was playing a lot of baseball and going to school, and I had two ideas. I could, number one plan was I'm going to give it a shot and see if I can be a professional player. Number two was, I'm going to be an astronaut or some sort of physicist or chemist or some sort of science research guy. Those were my two ambitions in life. And I'm a Texan. Okay? I'm sorry, I forgot to say that earlier. I hope you all already recognize that. I'm a Texan. So you know how we Texans are. There's only three reasons why you would leave Texas, right? You die. Someone makes you leave. Or you're insane. <laughs> and God said, go. Lance, I want to I renew your mind and transform you. I want to renew your mind and your tra- ambitions and transform your ambitions. And go to the nations. And over time, then God revealed step by step, go to Austria. The Austrian people are your people. And it's hard for a Texan to say, you know, anybody's my people other than Texans. But if you had to push me these days, 
I might say, Austrians are my people. And I don't see that as uh, ferrat. I forgot what the... Uh, excuse me? Betrayal to Texas. I see that as a higher value that has been given by God, right? Who is your people? To whom is God calling you? And some of you already say, I already know who that is. And then I say, great. Today's a great day to reinforce that, to remind you of that call, to say, yeah, keep going. Well, the first time we came back to America after we were started in Austria, we went to Austria in uh, 1997, and then we came here in 2000, at the end of the year 2001, and our little boy, Tyler, it was clear that there was something not right. He has, he has a developmental delay. And we were in agony because everyone we talked to, except for maybe two people, said, you probably shouldn't go back to Austria. It's going to be better for Tyler if you stay in America, where you don't have two languages and you have, you know, and you have a support system and all that kind of stuff. It was on and on and on. And it was breaking my heart, breaking our hearts, and we're agonizing over it. And I was lying in bed one night, and I was just agonizing, and I didn't even know how to pray. And God said, Lance, you love Tyler, but I love him a lot more than you do. Lance, you, you, you want what's best for Tyler, but I want that for Tyler a lot more than you do. You're his dad, and you are responsible for him, right, for our family. The best thing you can do for Tyler is to be in that place of obedience to me, and I will take care of Tyler. And so we kind of got stubborn, kind of argued with some people and said, we're going back to Austria, talked him into letting us go. And so we went back to Austria, and God has paved the way for Tyler in miraculous ways, over and over and over and over to this day. Where we say, if we had stayed in America, his life wouldn't have been nearly as good as it was by going to Austria. God has provided for him in incredible ways. He rekindled that fire by reminding me, it's not about where you live, it's about the position you're in with relation to God, if you're in that position of obedience, it might be dangerous, and it might cost your life, or it might cost your son something. But that is my plan. Follow me, trust me, and I'll take care of you. And then when we came to America, or back to Texas, of course, uh, uh, last year in October, I got sick like the day before we were going to travel, so I, I, I felt cruddy. You know, I, any of y'all travel back and forth to Europe and, you know, around the world and stuff? You know, jet lag's not very much fun, but normally it's just like, uh, you just, you just kind of grit your teeth and go through it. And so, but when you have a bad cold, it's terrible. It just knocks you down. So for, it was like two weeks, I just felt cruddy and tired and emotional and whacked out. And we were tired and, and run down. And there was a, there, there's a point in time where I was like, you know what? I'm ready just to throw it all in. It's so nice here. People are so friendly. People are so nice. It's Texas. We're with my family. My parents, they're old. You know, when we leave, we may not see them ever again. I mean, that's always a truth, but when they're 80, it's a lot more, it's a lot closer. Maybe we should just stay here. And I just had these things going in my heart, and I was trying to remind myself, don't make a decision right now. This is a bad time to make a decision. And my brother and I were talking one day, just chatting. And he said something, I won't tell you the whole story, but he said something, and when he said it, God said, Lance, 
you're not done in Austria. You're not done in Austria. I want you to go back. You think that by coming here, you might find rest and comfort, but there is no rest and comfort until the end times. At the end of the gospel is when rest and comfort is. Right? We serve on earth, and then comes rest. And it relit the fire for me again. And so the reason I tell you those stories is to say this. When we ask, who is my people? And, and I ask you, who is God calling you to serve? Then the question is, is who is that? Or maybe who is that again? And I want to encourage you to stay faithful to the call that God has given you to your people until the day you die or until the day he really whacks you over the face to make sure you know something different. Okay, so God has a plan for the world. I'm moving way too slow right now, so I'm going to speed up. Um, God has a plan for the world. And his plan is that his people go and bring the gospel to the world. Isaiah 51 Verse 5, this is kind of a Christmas time, an expectation of Jesus coming in the prophecy. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. And then it says, the coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. The earth, the broken earth, the broken humanity, is like that coastline. It's waiting, waiting for the good news, the hope of Jesus Christ to come to it. How is it going to get there? It's going to get there when God sends his people. It's like when, when uh, Paul had this uh, vision of a man in Macedonia, right? Come over and help us. This is the picture we have, the world. And when I say the world, like in one sense, here we are in this room, we are probably most of us are followers of Jesus. The, the end of the world, the coastland, is right outside that door. And it's on the other side of the earth, and it's everywhere in between. So that's the question then is, to which part of that world, to which part of that coastland is God telling you, this is your people? That's my question for you today. Have I said it a few times? Okay, so here's what I want to do. I want to give you a mental picture. This is what I want to work with. That was all the introduction. The mental picture... From Ezekiel, this comes from Ezekiel 22, verse 30. It's one of the saddest verses in the Bible, actually, or it's one of the many sad verses in the Bible. And, and I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. And then comes the really sad part, but I found none. And so this is, this is the time, okay, where, where you've got to understand the historical context here. The picture in the mind of the people who would hear this were... These were the Jews, right, from Jerusalem. And their city had been overrun. And they had had waves of, of, of captives being taken away to Babylon, right? And so, so their city is in, in ruin, and there's holes in the wall. And a wall in those days was the security for the inhabitants. Everyone inside that wall is secure, right? And so if there's a breach, a hole in the wall that city is vulnerable to be overrun over and over and over and to be plundered right? For the bad guys to come in and steal stuff or break things or take people or kill people or whatever it is, right? So that, that is danger, danger, danger. And, and God is saying, okay, in, in this prophecy, it's, it's about the idea that the, 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 the people, the, the people of God, the, the Jewish people were rebellious against God and they were broken and they were lost and they're inside this city and the wrath of God is on the way. 
The judgment is coming on this city, right? Just like that freight train. Here it comes. And it's coming through this big hole in the wall. And he says, who's going to go and build that wall up? Who's going to go and stand in that wall between the enemy or the, 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 the judgment that's coming and the people? And here we have a picture that I want you to have in your mind. Who will stand in the gap, stand in the breach, and intercede for this rebellious, broken, lost people? You stand in the gap. You know, Moses did this sometimes, right? Some of y'all, if you, re- you should be reading your Bible through every year, by the way, at least, at least once a year. So you read about Moses doing this every year. God, God's saying, Moses, get out of the way. It's time for all these people to be destroyed. And he says, no, please don't do that. For the sake of your name and for the sake of your glory, don't destroy these people. What's he doing? He's standing in the breach, interceding for the people who are rebellious. God, rescue them, save them, help them. Bring them hope, bring them salvation. And then he's turning around to the people, and what's he saying to the people? He's saying to the people, turn to God. Obey God, trust Jesus, right? This, this thing standing in the wall, in the gap of the wall, is a two-way thing, interceding to God on the one hand, interceding to the people on the other, trying to draw them together. And in the case of God and people, it's not God who's not willing to step forward, right? He's ready. How do we help the people? And there, there's an active part of this. He says, he doesn't just say, you know, go and pray. Like, okay, so it's not like a trite little saying like, oh, just pray for the people, right? This is an intercession that is work. He says, build up the wall and stand in the breach. So there's an active part of this. And so the picture I want to give you is, for which people do you stand in the gap? Which people is God saying to you, I want you to stand in the gap for that people. I want you to stand in the gap for this people. Stand in the gap for those people. I'm inviting you. I'm calling you to stand in the gap. Pray to me and then work toward these people to help these people come to know me. That is the picture that I want to give you today. It's intercession. It's intercession to God on the behalf of my people. And it's work with my people to help lead them to Jesus Christ. It's active. It's something that's active and it's intentional. Build up the wall and stand in the breach for your people. Who is your people? Are you ready to stand in the breach for your people? May God give you the passion to say, yes, I will stand in the gap for this people. The Bible gives us examples of this type of activity. We read in Hebrews 11 a long list of people. I'm not going to read it to you today because I have other stories that I want to tell you. But we kind of call them heroes of faith, right? This is a roll call of faith, the heroes of faith, right? That's what they did. They spent their lives standing in the gap, standing in the breach, interceding, being that link between lost people and Jesus or and God. And so uh, where Carrie and I live in Austria, it's, you, you might not know this about Austria, but Austria suffered one of the worst persecutions in history uh, about 500 years ago, just under 500 years ago. We call it today the Counter-Reformation, where People who believed the gospel were following Jesus and were trying to share this gospel with the people around them were put to death. 
They were tortured. They were beaten. They were, they were, well, they were gruesomely drugged through the streets of Vienna on carts and burned with branding irons and had their tongues cut out and their ears cut off. And then they would be burned at the stake or thrown in the river to drown or they'd be buried alive to die. Why? Because they believed and proclaimed this gospel. And in the middle of that, of course, they were being driven out of the country. And so they were, it was kind of a hide-and-seek game. They were out hiding, but the, the, these people, they, they called the Anabaptists or the Teufel, you know what they did? They said, you know, there's a lot of people back in that place where we came from who don't know Jesus. We need to send some of us back to tell them about Jesus. And so they prayed and asked God who should go. And they sent pairs of people back. As they were fleeing, they sent people back who would go quietly and try to find people and try to share the gospel until they would be exposed and then they would become the next martyr. And of all the missionaries they ever sent, every one of them was killed. But they kept doing it because they said it's worth it. It's worth it. This is what God, these are our people, and they need the grace and the hope of Jesus Christ, and no one else is going to bring it to them. We're going to bring it to them. We're going to stand in that breach for them, even if it costs us our lives. And even if, even if we're brothers, and I know I'm sending you to your death. I'm not sending you. God's sending you. But we're, we're blessing you, and off you go. It's heroic stuff. It doesn't always have to be that heroic. It's pretty dramatic. I just wanted you all to hear something about Austria while I'm up here this morning. So, Carrie and I were in New Orleans one time at a church, and a man was shared a testimony. And his story went like this. Well, when I was a kid in this neighborhood, kind of the inner city, you know, the rough neighborhood of the, the, the town, this white lady came to our, our neighborhood, right? So, this white lady would come to our neighborhood, a little old white lady, and she would give us candy. And we, all the kids would run up and gather up and gather around her. And she kept coming back, and she would give us candy. And over time, we realized... She wasn't just giving us candy. She wasn't coming to give us candy. She was coming to love us. She was coming to tell us about Jesus. And she told me about Jesus. And over time, I was looking forward to come, for her to come, not because of the candy, but because of the Bible stories and because of what was God was doing in my life. And you see, this woman was standing in the breach for this neighborhood. And this kid grew up, became a follower of Jesus, went to seminary, got his degree, and now he can go anywhere like here, to a church, and get hired as a pastor and get paid, and you know what he did? You know what God told him to do? God said, you know, the lady has died. She was old, right? And he became the next person to fill that gap in the wall for that neighborhood. Amen. And his testimony was so powerful, I thought, man, we're, everybody's celebrating, oh, you're going overseas, and you know, all these, to, to us and the other missionaries who were there. I'm like, but the real hero's right here in the room. And he's never left the neighborhood. This is standing in the breach for your people. In the last few days or in the last few months, we've gotten to know Stephen a little bit and, and Danny. And now we, yesterday we got to meet Nikki and, and Lori. These are people who are standing in the breach for this neighborhood, for this city. You understand that, don't you? Their hearts are bleeding for Albuquerque, or for this part of Albuquerque in particular. And for you, for you, the members of this church, they lay it on the line every day for you. 
And so when I stand up here and we talk about what does it mean to stand in the breach for people, then I say, well, here's, here's some people doing it right here. And I want to honor you and encourage you and spur you on to stay true, to keep doing it, to keep following in obedience and joy to what God has called you to do. And may he keep that flame burning in you for this city. As you stand in the breach and say, Jesus, help these people. And as you say to these people, turn to Jesus. He is your only hope. This is the ministry that they do. And it's tough, right? I mean, you know all the things they have to deal with, right? And Doug and Rhoda, back there, I listened to your podcast a little bit, just not, not much, not all of it, but I heard a little bit of it, who said, God said, I'm putting on your heart women who are pregnant in crisis. And they say, yes, Lord, we'll do that. We're going to stand in the gap for women who are pregnant in crisis. And so they give their lives for these women, not just to help them have a safe birth, but to have a life that's renewed and transformed by the gospel, to give them hope. And then, and I heard in the podcast, it's not just helping them have their babies, right? You inherit all the other problems that are there if they have some sort of addiction problem or some sort of psychological problem or some sort of dangerous family problem. You get to deal with all the junk in their lives You're standing in the gap because if you're in the gap, you're creating that safe place for them where they can experience God's grace. And so I want to honor you and encourage you to stay firm and to stand strong in that and to keep pressing on. And keep pressing on. God has given you a people. Go after your people. And then uh, we we met Justin here earlier. I think your wife's name is Julie, right? And so it's not just Justin, who's the church planter in the international district. It's Justin and Julie, their family, their kids. Do you have kids? Yeah, all their kids, they're all part of that, right? And the international part of a city can be pretty cool. They have great food. It smells different in certain places. Like you walk by the restaurants, it's awesome. But you guys know what kind of reputation these parts of town have, right? You say, why would you go there? Why would you go there? Because God said, that's my people. That's your people. And I want to urge you and encourage you and exhort you, press on for your people. I want to honor that because you're standing in the gap for your people. And this is an example of what we're talking about. And this is what I'm asking each one of you. Who is your people for whom you stand in the gap? Jay and Elise out there on the university campus, you know, I don't know, I'm sure you guys know more about the news than I do in America. But since I've been here, all I've heard is, Teenagers and young people are wacky right now. They're all sick. They're all, they've got all these problems, right? They're thinking about suicide all the time. They're having all these problems. And there you are in the, in the trenches with these people, helping them grow and mature. And you know what? They're the future of our country. They're the future of this city. They're the future of our churches. And so you're investing in helping them become healthy followers of Christ. Standing in the gap, staying up all night dealing with them, right? Well, you stay up all night anyway with your baby, so you're already awake. But that's, I mean, that's okay. But you're going, you're giving all you got, and you pour out your life for them. This is what it is, standing in the gap. And so I want to urge you, I want to thank you and honor you for your work. The, the BSU, back in the day it was called BSU, was an important part of my life in helping me 
determine and find and hear God's call to Austria. It is a crucial time in life, and it's a crucial role to be in. So, I've gone through this list, and I, I wanted to say this so that you know today in these workshop times, you've got the chance to hear from these people, the passion they have for their people. And let it be an example to you as you ask the question, who is my people? And then you have people like me praying, God, give them passion for their people. Let them know who it is and give them lots of passion for it. But here's another question. Who stood in the breach for you? Someone stood in the breach on your behalf. Someone prayed for you. Someone told you about Jesus. Someone, someone was that wall, right? Someone was that person who connected you with God. Is that not a heroic thing? I mean, think about it. You're separated from God for all eternity, but God uses this one person in a heroic way in your life to be the link to connect you with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about today. For which people will you be that link? I have one last example. I won't spend too long here because I've already done it. But the other example of standing in the breach for your people is Jesus himself. Jesus fulfilled the Ezekiel 22.30 thing, right? And he did it more than anybody else because we stand stellvertretend, substitutionary in the sense for other people, but Jesus did stand and took our sin, right? We just, we just, we just help people along the way, but Jesus stood there and became the wall, right? For sin. He did more than anybody else, and he did it for everybody. His people are all people. His people are all people. That's one reason why it's really important that we in the, in the church, that we understand when we look at all the different languages and colors of people and all these kinds of things that we're like, people are people. They're all God's people. And he wants us to be a part of his plan to reach all these people. He wants you to be a part of his plan to reach. You don't have to reach 185 different nations. You don't have to reach 2,000 different people groups. He wants you, though, to be instrumental or his tool for reaching some of them. So who is that? But anyway, when Jesus does this, then we come back to the point. Therefore, Jesus deserves all the glory and all the thanks and all the praise. Because he's the one that makes it possible for us to know God. So Jesus calls us to follow him. And as an answer to him, as a, a thankful answer to him, we say, yeah, I'll go step in. Which gap do you want me to be in, Jesus? Where's the, where's the breach that you want me to be in? For which people? That's our attitude. That's, that's what we want to discover. And then I want to go do it. And you know what? It's going to be really hard. The gospel tells us the truth. And the truth is it ain't easy. We suffer. You know, some people say, oh, Austria, you know, mission land, you know, great. and it's a great place to live. It's hard work on the gospel side, but you know what? It's no fun not to be around our family. It's no fun to be there alone when your wife has cancer. It's no fun, you know, and then just go through the list, right? But you know what? Everybody's life is hard. Everybody's life is hard. So we're, it, it's not easy. But what did Jesus say? He said, surely, I am with you Amen. Amen. until the end of the age. 
You know, Paul wrote that in, in one of his letters. And when I, in my last defense, everybody left me. How would you feel if everybody just left you and abandoned you? You'd be, I, I feel pretty sorry for myself. But Jesus was with me. And that's the one thing that matters. So as we stand in the breach for our people, we've got to understand Jesus is the one who empowers us, enables us, strengthens us, and helps us. And he will never, ever, ever, ever leave us. And it may cost us something. It may cost us pain or suffering. It may cost a life. But our life, and this is part of the gospel, is in the future with him. Right now, we're working, we're in boot camp, right? Our life is later. And so it's okay. And that's one of the things I heard from my brother. It's okay, Lance, for you and Carrie to go. It's okay. We're okay. They're being carried by Jesus, and they're blessing us so that we can go. Wow. Okay, that's going to start me on another sermon. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go there. I'm, clo- I'm almost done here. If you are a follower of Christ, he is inviting you. No, he is calling you. Jesus is calling you to stand in the breach for somebody, for someone, for some people. God wants each of you, and he wants you collectively as a church, First Baptist West Albuquerque. He wants to use each of you and all of you together in his great commission plan to reach someone. And I guarantee you, part of that plan is to reach this neighborhood in this city, New Mexico. The question is, who is it? Maybe more specifically. And here's the question you might be saying, well, this is all great and good, but how in the world do you find out who that is? And we have little quips and quotes that we use in the mission world. And, you know, it says, go and make disciples, right? And we found that the easiest way to make a disciple is to be a disciple. They say, go look for people of peace, right? This is one of our principles of evangelism. Well, the easiest way to find a people of peace is to be a people of peace. So it all starts with your own heart and your own walk with Jesus. Are you reading? Are you studying? Are you just soaking in his gospel all the time to hear what he's telling you? If you're not doing that, it's going to be hard to hear. But if you're doing it all the time, you're primed. You're ready. And as you pray, he's speaking to you. And as you consult and and talk to people with wise counsel, other disciples, and pray together, then God makes it clear, right? He speaks. There's no question that he speaks. The question is, are we in a position to be able to hear? And we're in the best position to be able to hear when we're being a disciple, that is, cultivating our relationship with Jesus. I'll just tell you all this, because, you know, you're not my home church, right? Like, like a prophet's not without honor except at home, right? <laughs> but I, I would say this, if you... I think it would be wise and good for us to spend more time reading this every day than we spend listening to talk radio or watching news or reading newspaper, you know what I'm talking about? The discourse in America is really unhealthy. It's not gospel-centered. This is the echo chamber. This is the echo chamber of a disciple. This one right here. And you know what? If this is your only, only echo chamber... It's the wise one. It's the complete one. It's the whole one. It's the right one. All those things, right? It's, 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 it's all of it because it's God. Okay. Sorry, I got off on that one.
How do you find out? Be a disciple. Get in God's word. Get in prayer. Seek wise counsel. And then, here's the other one, try stuff out. Go on mission trips. Do stuff. Work with the children and see if God's calling you with the children. Work with the teenagers. See what the, work with the old people. Uh, me. Then work with, go to, the, go to the international part of the city. Go to Arizona. Go to Texas. Wow. Now, if you go to Texas, you might not come back, so be ready. So, but go and be a part of what God's doing somewhere and tag along with someone and ask them what it's like to serve these people and what God did to put that fire in their heart to do that and see what God does with that testimony. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today with these guests that are here. Come up and ask us, what did God do? How did he call you? What's it like to have a passion for these people? And listen to their story and see what God does in your heart. That's what we're doing today. We're exploring together what God is telling us we should do. What's our next step? Okay, I've said that enough times to now. I'd like to ask you to pray 